Russia's Growing Impact on Cybersecurity and Cybercrime. A series of reports coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. It's an escalation in keeping with the escalating possibilities that are provided by technology. That's journalist David Satter speaking with CBC News. Satter's emails were altered, allegedly by the Russians, in a disinformation campaign to make him appear to be acting on behalf of the CIA and against Russian President Vladimir Putin and others. What happened to Satter represents a new wave of cyber espionage that exploits information technology by combining hacking and the wide reach of social media. Satter is one of more than 200 people in 39 countries victimized by a phishing attack that's part of a single cyber espionage campaign believed to be linked to Russia. These findings come from a report published by the University of Toronto's The Citizen Lab, and my colleague, Data Breach Today, Executive Editor Matthew Schwartz has been looking into that. Hi, Matt. Hello, Eric. How do these phishing schemes work? Phishing, regardless of whether you're being targeted by a cybercrime network, which is much more likely, or if you're being targeted by nation-state attackers, as Satter was, which is very unlikely, but if you are thus targeted, can be incredibly damaging, they both operate in pretty much the same way. They're going to send you a fake email. That email is going to look real enough, the attackers hope, to get you to fall for it. In this case, it's something that we've seen before. It was a fake Gmail login screen. Now, Satter received two of these kinds of emails that he knows about, unfortunately, managed to fall for the second one. It said, someone has your password. You need to sign into your Google account. Please click this link immediately. There's social engineering at work here. That means trickery. What the attackers did was they used a link shortening service to disguise where the link was actually going to go. Once you got there, it redirected users to another link that looked real, maybe. It was myaccount.google.com dash change password dash security page setting my account, etc, etc, etc. So at first glance, it appears to be real, but they've thrown in an extra dash into the URL, which means that it's completely unrelated to Google. In this case, what that allowed them to do was watch as Satter and the other victims entered their Google username and password. Once the attackers had that, they had free access to Satter's account. How did the hackers alter Satter's documents? Google, as you know, offers Gmail. It also offers documents and other ways of storing and synchronizing information. In the case of Satter, they also got a hold of many of his documents. What's especially interesting in the Citizen Lab report is the before and after that they did with Satter's permission of the documents that were legitimate and the documents that got leaked. Here's Citizen Lab director Ronald Diebert speaking with CBC to tell us more. Then some of it showed up on a pro-Russian hacktivist website called Cyber Barracoot with uh, tainted information that had been added or information that had been doctored and removed to make it appear as if Satter was part of a conspiracy, a CIA-backed conspiracy. Tainted leaks are very hard to verify when you have uh, falsehoods planted in a forest of facts. Do you find anything surprising? Well, some of the really interesting work done by Citizen Lab is on the technical details about how exactly the attackers tricked their victims. I mentioned the link shortening service. That's a really interesting one. Because of the way the service worked, the Citizen Lab researchers were able to reverse engineer who had been targeted. It's fascinating to see the different countries and individuals. No one is named, but they are broadly grouped, if you will. Military officials, government officials, also activists, journalists. And it gives us a 
blueprint of a working campaign to amass information, apparently for Putin's administration and people allied with it, so that Putin's administration and people allied with it could get ahead of the message, or as in the case with Satter, create a disinformation campaign designed to subvert what was going to be reported. If something was factual, designed to create counterfacts, i.e. lies and disinformation, to make it look like the facts weren't real anymore. What's especially surprising is how economical it is. We're not talking about a high cost attack here. We're talking about someone who can cook up some real enough but fake Gmail password reset alerts and trick people into falling for it. Citizen Lab didn't say for certain, but it believes Russia was behind this. Why Russia? Citizen Lab said that there's a number of technical indicators that make it look like this is the work of the group referred to as Fancy Bear, also APT28, also known as Pawn Storm, and a variety of other names. That is down to the technical indicators used in the attack. That group has been attributed to the Russian intelligence apparatus by the FBI and U.S. intelligence agencies because they were tied to the disinformation campaign and attempted influence operation involving the U.S. presidential election in 2016. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. As we just heard from Matt Schwartz, Russia is a major threat to the United States and other national governments, businesses, and individuals. The best hackers in the world are Russians, period. Russian-speaking individuals. That's Strategic Cyber Ventures Chief Executive Tom Kellerman. They have been playing chess their entire lives, and they utilize those skills and those stratagems as they leverage attacks against the Western world. Kellerman also is a global fellow on the Digital Futures Project at the think tank, the Wilson Center. I recently spoke with my colleague, ISMG Executive Vice President for Editorial, Tom Field. Hi, Tom. Eric, thanks so much for having me on your show. It seems Kellerman is high on the hacking abilities of the Russians. That's a downer for the rest of us. It's really bracing. You've got to pay attention to Tom Kellerman because he's somebody who has been researching these things in Russia for years. This isn't something new with him. And it isn't just the Russians' technical skills that make them so dangerous. What he notes is that the hackers seem extra motivated by their loyalty to the current Russian government regime. Now they have a nationalistic fervor. And now essentially um, the regime has called upon them essentially to release the hounds upon the West. And in doing so, we have to recognize that many of the previous infrastructure attacks that we saw during Fancy Bear and Pondstorm are still colonized to this day. We probably did an ineffective job of actually cleaning up or triaging the events in the past. So I'm incredibly concerned of secondary infections that have kinetic manifestations. Tom Kellerman sees Russia's approach on hacking and cyber espionage influencing other nation states around the globe. One such hacking group is known as Oil Rig, and it's backed by the Iranian government. The oil rig group in Iran has been highly sophisticated and is beginning to tendril out. What's interesting most about the oil rig group, as discerned by, by Trapex security, that oil rig group was greatly empowered in their capability set through consultancy by Russian-speaking hackers. And they began to leverage the same kill chains the Iranians did that were seen widely by the Russian underground for years. And that's what's problematic. You're now seeing B teams become A teams because of the consultancy and the professional services being leveraged by the Russian dark web. To defend against these types of attacks, whether they're from the Russians, the Iranians, the North Koreans, or whomever, organizations must not overthink about the next generation of firewalls and endpoint security. 
Instead of over-worrying about perimeter defense, enterprises instead should concentrate on intrusion suppression, which Kellerman contends would allow organizations to react faster. Now, some context here. Intrusion suppression requires clandestine detection, deception, diversion, and eventual containment of a cyber adversary. It involves deploying a deception grid, behavioral analytics, adaptive authentication, and memory augmentation that aims to detect cyber criminals by decreasing their dwell time, which is the duration that hackers spend in an environment before being detected or eliminated by the security team. You also want to decrease their lateral movements. True ROI on cybersecurity depends on decreasing dwell time and reacting faster to the adversary, but unbeknownst to the adversary, mm -hmm. uh, so that you can effectively push them out of your environment and or hunt them in the wild with the resources of law enforcement or your legal counsel. Does law enforcement have the resources to battle these threat actors? As Tom Kellerman says, it's a gradual process, but from what he sees, and he's got good sources, it's moving in the right direction. Thanks, Tom. Eric, always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back after this. Deception technology. When it works, it works. But what about when it goes wrong? ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit on June 20th and 21st in Chicago will address this and other hot cybersecurity challenges we face today. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. It's not just the Americans who are weary of the Russians. As ISMG security and technology editor Jeremy Kirk reports, cooperation on cybercrime is virtually non-existent between British and Russian law enforcement agencies. The British stopped doing joint investigations with Russia around 2006 after the former agent of the Russian Federal Security Service, Alexander Litvinenko, was poisoned with radioactive polonium-210 at a sushi restaurant in central London. And that halt in cooperation is hurting cybercrime investigations in the UK. Back in the U.S., American law enforcement officials are irritated the Russians won't turn over suspects accused of cybercrimes. The two countries don't have an extradition treaty. But as Jeremy Kirk explains, that doesn't mean Russia doesn't care about cybercrime. Russian financial institutions are hit just as hard as others by cybercrime, and those companies do work with Russian law enforcement. According to Moscow-based Group IB, the cybersecurity firm assisted Russian authorities with an investigation last November that resulted in the arrests of 16 people. The suspects allegedly used the Crone Android malware to drain Russian bank accounts of more than $800,000. Group IB's Tim Bobak says that perhaps contrary to conventional wisdom, Russian law enforcement does care about cybercrime. But reports of arrests there just do not get into the press much because generally, no one cares if Russian attackers are arrested in Russia. But it is taking place, and Bobak says that those efforts need to be part of a broader conversation on cybercrime. Because cybercrime crosses international borders, it's essential the countries work together. There's an international treaty called the Convention on Cybercrime that is aimed to create stronger bonds between law enforcement agencies. But still, politics looms large, especially when it comes to securing international treaties. And unsurprisingly, Russia has refused to sign it, contending it violates international law norms and its sovereignty. Unfortunately, it means cybercriminals will still be able to exploit black spots in the world where they're less likely to be pursued. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally. Russian President Vladimir Putin suggests that patriotic Russians might have hacked Democratic Party computers in an attempt to influence the United States presidential election. Still, Putin continued his long-standing denial that the Kremlin played any role in hacks aimed at influencing foreign votes. Here is Putin speaking to reporters in St. Petersburg on Thursday with translation provided by Fox News. 
They wake up in the morning today, read that something is going on in international relations. If they are patriots, they start to contribute their opinions in order to fight against those who speak ill about Russia. Theoretically, it's possible. We don't engage in that on a state level. Though President Donald Trump contends he doesn't believe the Russian government hacked the election, U.S. intelligence agencies have pinned the cyber attacks on Russian hackers. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.